Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the uh, Texas uh, Lawn and Garden Hour. We're here for almost an hour. You know, it's it's this day and age where you get uh, you don't get quite a gallon of milk. I guess you get a gallon of milk. You don't get quite a, a quart of ice cream or half gallon or I don't know. Never mind. Let's just uh, start over. <laughs> uh, you get almost an hour here. We start a little after eleven. We go till almost uh, twelve o'clock, and and uh, but you have to dial all. Three, six, ten numbers to get us. It's 888-256-1080. I'm live here. And uh, Jared uh, Taylor is at the phone banks waiting for your call. I'd love to hear from you. Let's fill those phone banks up. Let's talk gardening, the plants at your place. We call it urban horticulture. Uh, it's uh, not uh, farm and ranch things. I don't do that. I'd, I'd love to be able to, but I'm not smart enough to do that. My uh, talent... Uh, Skills are limited to uh, to what grows uh, in your landscape, your lawn, house plants, fruit and vegetable gardens, things of that sort. Uh, that's uh, that's what my training has been. A couple of college degrees in it. I grew up in College Station. My dad and mom were both on staff at A and M way back when it was a small school, and I started there. But both of my degrees are Ohio State. I worked for the Extension Service for A and M for seven years and have been doing commercial radio ever since, since 1978. And if you had told me early on that I would love, as much as I do, talking to the whole state of Texas and the challenges that that brings on, the fact that I'd be talking to Amarillo and Northward and to uh, the Rio Grande Valley and uh, to deep East Texas and the Piney Woods all the way to one of my favorite cities of my entire life, Alpine, Texas, in the Big Bend country where on a good year they get 10 or 12 or 14 inches of rain evenly spaced throughout the year. If you had told me I'd have that blessing, I would have just said that's the greatest thing going, and that's what's happened, and I'm the luckiest guy in the world. So would love to hear from you. Please pick up that phone and give us a call. And... Uh, it's uh, simple as that. And uh, our call screen page is uh, not working today. So Jared is going to be uh, texting me the, uh, the lines. <laughs> this is, it's new school, very old school. And uh, so we'll just have to go with that. That's the way it is. Uh, so we'll start out in a moment with David from Brian. And we're going to be talking about oak trees. So uh, that's, that's an example of what we'd like to do. Give us a call, won't you please? Have four lines, and I'll try to move fairly quickly through them. It's 888-256-1080. Here we are approaching the middle of July means that you need to be planting bell peppers. You need to be planting. It's it's getting kind of late in the southern part of the state for planting fall tomatoes. It is late in north Texas for planting fall tomatoes. You really need to stick with types that you can uh, get uh, into the garden and out of the garden quickly. Some of the early ripening varieties, or you need to grow them in pots where you can protect them and get them out of uh, the first freezes. Um, and uh, we're, we're about a week or two away from the planting of squash and cucumbers and, and uh, corn and green beans, things of that sort. That usually comes in late July, early August. We'll talk about that uh, in a little while. This is perfect time for planting new turf grass, although you'll have to water it a couple times 
uh, a day lightly, maybe five minutes uh, in the morning, five minutes in the evening for the first couple of weeks to get it established. I know it's hot, but the grasses that we grow in Texas, uh, unless you're planting fescue, that's done in September. But for zoysias and for St. Augustine Bermuda, this is the, the time. They're warm season grasses, so they get planted when it's warm, and it's warm. It's officially declared warm now, so there you go. All right, let's take our first break, and, and I will hope that the phone lines will fill right now, and uh, then we'll have a, a program underway. Again, the phone number, if you'd like to call, is toll-free anywhere, and we are live. This is not some recorded thing that you uh, need to join, and I and, uh, hope that, uh, that it is live. It is live. 888-256-1080, the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. My first uh, mention today is for Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. This is my my book. It's my baby. This is the book that I decided to self-publish because I wanted to be able to call the shots myself and not have to go to committee meetings and rely on a publisher and an editor and other people uh, to make all of the decisions for me. I needed an editor. Nobody should be so arrogant as to assume that he or she can edit his own work, and I knew better than that. I had Carolyn Skye, who has been my friend for many, many years. Carolyn is a great editor, and I asked if she would be willing to work alongside me. She said, I'd love to. And Cindy Smith, the best graphic designer a person could ever want to work with, and Cindy said, I'd love to. And the three of us put this book together. It's 11 chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas, what you need to know to get started in every part of the state of Texas. Chapter 2 is a calendar that I've never put in any book in my life. And uh, it's 48 pages of text. It's not a grid that you hang on the wall. This tells you when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all of the plants in your landscape and garden. Four pages per month. Chapters 3 through 11 cover trees. Oh, the trees chapter is extremely comprehensive. They all are. Trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials. There are massive charts in the annuals and perennials uh, uh, chapters to help you pick the right ones, the best ones for color in your landscape. And then uh, lawns and fruit and vegetables. This is the reference that I think you will find to be your go-to gardening reference for Texas. It is not in stores and not on Amazon. Two reasons for that. Three reasons. I wanted to be able to sign every copy as I sell it. Number two, I wanted to keep the price as low as possible, cut out the middle people. And so I left the price at what I would have made if uh, if I had just sold it to a distributor somewhere. There are no distributors. It goes directly from my uh, signing table at my house to your mailbox. Simple as that. Well, the post office gets involved, too. But uh, it is only thirty six ninety five plus tax and postage. Simple as that. Now, we've sold 67,000 copies to date, and there has not been one request for refund. But I tell you always, your satisfaction is guaranteed or I'll refund every penny. That's Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, now in its fifth printing. Order it from neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Remember, it's not in stores and you won't find it on Amazon. What you will find there is the old book, the old cowboy boot book. 
book. You don't want that one. Believe me. That's 1991. You can also call my office Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. That number is 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. But the better way is to order right now at Neil Sperry, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. It seems like these days, temporary storage facilities are on every street corner, but let's do a little bit of math for you. For what you're paying in yearly costs for that storage room, you could own your own metal storage building, and it's right there in your own backyard. How convenient is that? With a Mueller Backyard Building. Mueller's Backyard Building kits are easy to assemble with bolt-together designs, and they're priced right. You keep your stuff at home, and you're not throwing away money by leasing storage. Their kits come in a variety of sizes with more than 30 colors from which to choose, adding style to your storage space. If you need a larger storage solution, Mueller's pre-engineered standard series buildings can accommodate almost any need. Whether it's a smaller place for a lawnmower, a place for cars, boats, or even an RV, you can have peace of mind that a Mueller metal building will protect those treasures at a reasonable price. See all the options at MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com, or give them a call at 877 877- to Mueller. That's 877-268-3553. They're Mueller. They're made in America. And they're made to last. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly Robinson, thank you, sir. Let's go to our phone lines. Our first call today is going to be uh, David. I can't read my own handwriting here. David in Bryan. David, good morning. How may I help you? But an old oak, uh, you know, it's probably three feet around or maybe larger. And, uh, you know, the big freeze took its toll on it. All my other trees are doing fine, but it's got, it's coming out at all, all, along the, the main trunk. And then mm-hmm. on one limb, it's got some, some leaves coming out. Do you think? that next fall it, or next spring it will come out again what kind of oak is it david i think it's a post oak but i i am not positive all right is it native yeah all right by and i grew up in brazos county and by and large the native oaks in brazos county 99 percent of them are post oaks or 90 percent of them um if it's that big i i'll i'll give you a couple of answers you can take, you can take your choice here's here are my answers uh number one uh the the foresters at texas a&m and the, and the texas a&m uh, forest service are telling us to wait on oaks and uh, that they may very well leaf out later this year well it's becoming now later this year or next spring um having watched post oaks all of my life I will tell you that they're probably the weakest of our oak species in terms of their branching, uh, the strength of their wood. It's, it would it would not surprise me to see some of those branches start to break off much faster than a live oak or a red oak branch would if, if these are truly post oaks. And so if this hangs over the house or over a drive, I'd give it clearance. I wouldn't I wouldn't stand under it and look up and watch it <laughs> between now and then. Um Without seeing it, it's hard to tell, but it sounds like the outer 
branches probably have died, and it sounds like it's trying to regrow from the, the trunk. Post oaks are very temperamental trees, and they tend to, I, I always refer to them, and I know there probably are people who listen frequently who are tired of hearing this, but I refer to them as flat earth society trees. They go along just very happily, and then they die. They give us no warning. Yours is giving some kind of warning, and the warning is, hey, I didn't like that cold too much. So it may have been challenged a little bit anyway before that because their life expectancy is probably 75 or 100 years, and one that big would be in that range. Uh, I spent 20 years in Brazos County uh, during during my teen, from 2 to uh, 20, and, um, and I watched a lot of the old trees in College Station uh, do that while I was mowing yards. I'd, every once in a while, I'd see one in a neighborhood that just died. And, and of course, construction, other things like that will also hasten that. But I, I think if, if, if it's out where it won't hurt anything, I just leave it until spring. You can always cut branches off next spring or have them cut off. Uh, you can't glue them back on. So, but if it's in a place where it could do harm to your house or to a, a children and, and people, then probably it would be better to, uh, have an arborist out right away, certified arborist, and very likely take some of those branches off. Okay, thank you. I covered the entire waterfront on that answer. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You didn't encourage me a whole lot, but thank you. Uh, no. I know. I, well, you know what? With post oaks, it's hard to give a lot of encouragement because they're so cantankerous. They hate us. But anyway, that's just the nature of that tree. That's why you never see them in nurseries. Nurserymen haven't figured out yet how to grow and transplant and sell them. They just are pouting, looking for a reason to die and to spite us. And <laughs> just, oh, my, just like the grouchy neighbor that you don't want to go past. Okay. <laughs> I hope well, you have a better you. day from this point forward than I just made it. <laughs> okay. Thank thanks you, for, Thanks for the call, sure. Let's go to Barbara. Barbara is also in Brazos County. Barbara, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. How may I help you? I'll do better, I think, than I did on that call. I've got some hibiscus plants, and they've got white. I think they're aphids is what I've been treating them for. I've used seven spray, and I've used neem oil spray, and I finally put some systemic on it this week, but I still have those aphids, and they're white and flying, and then they're sticky on the back of the leaves. All right, aphids do not fly. You have white flies. White flies are the scourge of the earth. Aphids are, are relatively harmless. They're annoying as all get out. But aphids, uh, not that that's what you have, but just to point out the differences. Aphids are pear-shaped. They will be communal. You'll see them all gathered together near the growing tips and on the buds of uh, hibiscus and other plants. But they will not fly. They don't fly. And uh, white flies... Uh, look like little how tiny houseflies about the size of a, a pinhead or BB. And when you bump a plant, they just fly everywhere in swarms. They are super annoying. And, and although they don't do major harm, uh, that black, uh, the sticky substance is uh, called honeydew. They exude that as they feed on the leaves. And in that honeydew, you'll get a black uh, fungus that will grow called sooty mold. Everybody gets all worked up. They get lathered up about sooty mold, and they say, man, I've got this fungus on my hibiscus. What do I do to get rid of the fungus? Well, then we have to calm them down, and we have to say, wait a minute, it's not the, it's not the 
sooty mold that's your problem. Your problem is you have white flies. You must get rid of the white flies, and then the sooty mold will go away. You know, it's like somebody, I'm banging my head into the wall. How can I get rid of this headache? Well, you stop banging your head into the wall. You don't take aspirin. And so uh, in this case, your systemic insecticide is probably the best thing you could do, but it hasn't had time to do its job yet. It takes two, a couple weeks. So I'd just stay the course with that. Another thing that you can do, Barbara, white flies are attracted to the color yellow. And if you get into a, a store that sells organic products, they will have what's called yellow sticky traps. They're about the size of a 3 by 5 card, or at least the ones I've seen are. And uh, there may be smaller ones. But they can be uh, clipped onto um, uh, stems of hibiscus. They're, they're commonly used in greenhouses. Uh, for poinsettias and for other crops to monitor insect populations. But but the uh, the whiteflies will be attracted to the yellow sticky trap traps, and they'll get captured like flypaper on the surface, and uh, that will reduce the population a great deal. Um, so uh, you could do that. The, it, it will also attract other insects, and you may lose some beneficial insects in the process. So that's the downside of it. But... Uh, one one last warning, and then I'm kind of out of any information I might offer. Uh, one last warning, and that is that uh, hibiscus plants of all the different species tend to be a little bit sensitive to insecticides, so be very careful when you spray them. Uh, you need to do it in the evening. Um, you need to make sure that the disclaimer at the very bottom of the, on the back of the bottle, when it says do not use on such and such, uh, all these all these warnings in the fine print, make sure it does not say do not use on hibiscus because uh, there, I have seen plenty of them that will say that. Don't use on ferns, don't use on hibiscus. So be careful. Okay. I appreciate that, and I'll try to find me some yellow sticky cake. Traps. Yellow sticky traps. You're looking for traps. Okay. Yellow sticky traps. They're little cards. They're just little cards that you clip or, or tape on to uh, uh, prominent places on the plants. It's kind of a weird look to the plant when you get through, but it does the job. Hey, I appreciate your call. Have a great day. I Thank love you, hearing you from too. my hometown. You bet. That's where I grew up, so it's it's kind of nice to hear from them. Um, hmm, what have I done with my ads? There we go. Need to tell you right now about Neil Sperry's eGardens, my electronic newsletter. I enjoy doing eGardens. I spend about a day and a half a week working on eGardens, and uh, it is free, and it always will be free. You say, well, Neil, why do you spend a, a, a day and a half working on something that you're giving to people? 75,000 people subscribe to eGardens. Well, I do have ads in eGardens, and so there are four sponsors that uh, that that make it possible for you. I hope you'll let those sponsors know that you appreciate that. But uh, to my point, eGardens is like an old-fashioned garden section. There are five stories each week. One of those stories will be a featured plant of the week. One of the stories will be a featured question of the week, uh, something that has come up time and time and time again. Uh, one of the uh, questions, uh, one of the uh, topics will always be gardening this weekend, where I point out things that you need to do in your landscape and your garden that weekend, right now. We just uh, published eGardens a day and a half ago on Thursday evening. And uh, if you didn't see it, it's on my website. I'll tell you how to find it in just a second. And uh, then there will be another story or two. This coming week, we'll have a story by Stephen Shambly. And uh, you'll get to read his wit and wisdom. He's a wonderful guy. I talked to Stephen at length last night. And uh, I 
didn't ask him what he's going to be writing about. I'm not sure that he would know this far ahead. <laughs> That's Stephen. But uh, anyway, you, you need to subscribe to eGardens. Like I said, it is free and always will be. And you have to sign up for it. We'll have to have your email address, and that's all. Um, and I will promise you that I will never, ever give or sell your email address to anybody. And I will never, ever spam you. I will never send you anything other than eGardens. I'm not going to send you any kind of a come on. Hey, since you subscribed to eGardens, thought you'd like to know about this or that. I don't do that. It's strictly eGardens. You get one thing a week, and it's eGardens. I think you'll like it. You can always unsubscribe very easily if you want to. I don't think we lose very many people. Like I said, 75,000 people subscribe. Go to neilsperry.com, same place you go to buy my book. And uh, But in this case, you'll click on the eGardens tab. Scroll down just a little bit, and you'll see the latest issue, which would have been July 8. If I'm doing my math right, yeah, July 8. And uh, you can open that up and take a look at what eGardens looks like. And if you like it, you sign up right there at eGardens. Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, I appreciate that very, very much. Let's give that number again. We have two open lines because I have not given the number since we opened the program up. It is 888-256-1080. Jared Taylor is running the boards and answering the phones, keeping me on the air. Jared is having to send me text messages with the call screen page. I do not broadcast from the same studio. And um, so he's having to do all of that. And I'm just talking gardening as if we were talking over the garden fence. Isn't that something? And he gets to do all of those things. What an opportunity for Jared. What a... <laughs> oh, man, I am so lucky to have him. So thank you, Jared. Let's go uh, back to the phone lines. Let's see. Next up is Brenda in San Angelo, pretty San Angelo. Brenda, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning to you. How may I help you? Well, uh, I have about um, 13 dwarf fittus forum that I've enjoyed. They're healthy and happy for over 10 years uh, until the freeze. And virtually one uh, of the 13 uh, came out unscathed. The rest are very unsightly. Very, they, All my landscape design is virtually ruined. And some green is coming out from all of them but two. I have two plants that nothing, they just look dead. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do, bite the bullet and, and pull them up or trim them back or just what? Well, I've been answering this on Indian Hawthorn a lot for all of Texas because it got hurt really badly. And and that would never be a replacement I would recommend anyway because of the fungal leaf spot it has. Um, There are several dwarf plants that all have about that same growth habit. I will be very candid in telling you that I'm amazed that that dwarf pittosporum has survived as long as it has for you. Wow. Uh, because because you all get fairly cold. Um, the the thing that surprised me when I spoke in Alpine back in 2004, I hadn't been out there for 10 or 12 years before that, and I saw star jasmine, some other plants that I didn't realize would grow in Alpine. 
and uh, because they don't grow in Dallas Fort Worth where I live and and San Angelo's kind of in the same category mm-hmm. um in in terms of I mean the the settings are very different but in terms of being able to grow some things uh, fairly far north for where one might expect dwarf pittosporum is not very winter hardy uh I'm not sure, even though you, you got a lot of good years out of it, I'm not sure I would recommend going back with more of them. No. Um, because it may not be as long a gap before you have another cold spell sure. that, that could damage them. Um, dwarf Yopan holly, uh, Carissa holly, um, Dwarf Chinese holly, if it's in an area where the the spiny leaves wouldn't bother. I love dwarf Chinese holly, and I have it at my front door, for crying out loud, right by a walk. And it's been there 44 years, and there hasn't been a soul complain about it in 44 years. Maybe they're afraid to complain. I'm not an intimidating (laughs) person, but anyway, it's it's a lovely shrub. Um, those Those are three good possibilities. Uh, if you wanted to try your dwarf pittosporum, you could. Uh, all of these things are in kind of short supply until fall because they were so heavily bought in the springtime. But uh, Wheeler's dwarf pittosporum just was no, has been notoriously tender north of um, Austin, um, going west. I'd say north of the hill country, and you're, you're fairly far north for, for what I would never have recommended it. In uh, in Tom Green County before, and so mine that's why I was been, surprised. Mine have just been gorgeous. Just it's beautiful. a beautiful plant. I love the plant, and I tried it. I tried it two years in a row. I, I wasn't content to be hard headed once. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, and and it's just so pretty. But I've pretty well given up on all pittosporum in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and yet there are plenty of people who did well with it, uh, with various types uh, for. Uh, 10 or 15 years, and then this year caught all of us. Um, so I, I think if you're going to, if you want to reuse Wheeler's Dwarf, uh, Pittosporum, and plant new ones, I would definitely replant. I would not try to nurse the old ones back. That's going to take too okay. long. That so I would replant. Place. And if you're going to do that, did you cover these with frost cloth? Did you have some frost cloth? No, I didn't. I would definitely do that because that made about ten, eight or ten degrees difference in winter survival this year. Everybody who uh, my Facebook page was extremely active at that point before Facebook changed its formatting, and I bet I had a thousand posts from people who had used frost cloth showing how well it had done with with uh, pittosporums and with cycads and sago palms and other things that had no hope of surviving otherwise. Aspidistra, I use it for Aspidistra in, in my landscape, which is about like dwarf pittosporum, and I rarely have any damage at all. I didn't have any damage this year. So you're saying just pull, pull them up or cut, cut them down? I'd take them out and replace them with nice, yeah. fresh, vigorous plants. Okay. And is sooner rather than later, the, the sooner you get them in now, the better established they'll be before the uh, cold weather of this coming winter or okay. wait until spring and do it. Is the same applied to some Indian hawthorn that's on the other side of my house that got damaged? Take them out? Yeah. What are they doing, coming around the bottom of the ground? Uh-huh, a, little, a, a little did bit. You have, did, you have, uh, did you have snow around these plants? Oh yes, yes. Yeah, we got that's it. that's what's happened, and the snow is a wonderful insulator. It became your frost cloth, and where there was snow cover, 
the uh, plants uh, were protected. And so there's a little skirt of green on, on these all across Texas. And uh, people are saying, oh, I'm going to save my Indian hawthorns. Well, good luck with that. It's going to take them three or four years, five years to catch where they were, catch up with where they were. It's right. not worth it. It is not worth okay. it. And and the other the other thing you have to remember, Brenda, is that you still have Indian hawthorns, and they are still highly susceptible to Entomosporium fungal leaf spot. If you're okay. going to take them out, replace them with something else. Okay. Good advice. I kind of anticipated that, but wanted yeah. to know for sure. All right. Thanks for waiting on me. Have a wonderful day. Take care. All right. I need to uh, tell you right now about Neil Sperry's, let's see. I keep track of where I am in my stack of things to do here. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. If you uh, if you go to the chapter on shrubs, which would be let's see, uh, the basics first, the calendar is second chapter, trees third calendar uh, uh, chapter, fourth chapter is shrubs. You go to the shrub chapter, and there is a list of all the shrubs, the shorter shrubs, and then medium, and then tall shrubs. You can see all of your options that you could use as a short shrub to replace these plants that froze. That's why this book I think you'll find to be extremely helpful to you. I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll buy the book if you don't have it already. I'll guarantee that it will it will help you become a very much better gardener. 344 pages, 840 of my photographs showing you all these plants. It was printed in San Antonio on high-quality paper. It's a hardback. I didn't want to have it printed overseas. I wanted Texas printers to be employed. It's in its fifth printing now. It covers all topics of outdoor gardening for all parts of Texas. Every county's covered. Lawns, landscapes, annuals, perennials, fruit and vegetables. It's all in there. I sign every copy as it sells and we ship them within a couple of days. It's not going to be a delay at all to you. It says uh, allow two weeks for delivery. It's not going to take it that long unless something hangs up in the postal service. It's not in stores and it's not on Amazon. Your satisfaction is completely guaranteed, or I will refund every penny that you spend. Uh, 67,000 copies sold to date. No request for a refund to date. Nobody has ever requested a refund. I think that's pretty remarkable. I'm, I'm humbled by that quite frankly. The book is only $36.95 plus tax and postage. $36.95 is the cost of a shade tree, maybe less than the cost of a shade tree. If you make a mistake buying the wrong tree, this book could have paid for the, for itself right there. Or if you do something at the wrong time, you put out the bag of fertilizer at the wrong time, the book paid for itself. Chapter 2 is that calendar of when to do everything. You order the book, since it's not in stores and not on Amazon, you order it from my website, neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com, or you can call my office Monday through Friday, 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769, but the better way is to order right now at N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. I'll have more after these messages. All right. Yeah, I could use another call, I think, probably, and that number is, as uh, Kelly just said, 888-256-1080. I don't need the full phone lines, but I need another call. It's 888 888- Two five six ten eighty. Let's uh, go to uh, Daryl in Milam County. Daryl, this is Neil. Good morning. Daryl had 
Is he still there, do you think, uh, Jared? Yeah, he uh, waited a long time. Do you remember what he wanted about his Bermuda loan? Well, I know, but that's a kind of a general topic. How to root it and uproot it. Well, feral hogs will uproot it, but I bet that's not the answer he wanted. Is he trying to get rid of it? Okay. You sure? Because I might be on my way to Mars with Jeff Bezos here if I'm not careful. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, if you want to get rid of Bermuda grass to plant, uh, this is the answer that Jared and I have uh, decided we want to answer. We pick our own answers here, questions. <laughs> uh, if you're trying to get rid of Bermuda grass, uh, maybe you're you're wanting to do a new, uh, uh, we'll say, ground cover bed or something. Uh, the, the best, and in my way of thinking the only way to do so during the growing season is to use a glyphosate weed killer uh, g-l-y-p-h-o-s-a-t-e and uh, that's like the original roundup you have to be careful that you get one that only has glyphosate in it uh, because the the combination products will contaminate the soil for a longer period of time glyphosate herbicides do not go into the soil. They are, they are contact weed killers. Uh, they kill the Bermuda grass. They are super effective. And uh, they get it done, and within 10 days, you give them time to kill the Bermuda grass, which takes uh, that 10-day period or so. Then you can rototill and go on about your life, and, and they do just a beautiful job. So that's what I would do if, I, if we've understood the question properly. So I hope that uh, uh, helps. Um, let me uh, take my last break, and then we will come back. We have uh, James waiting, and we'll get to him in just a moment. NeilSperry.com is my uh, website, and that's where you can buy my latest book, uh, Neil Sperry's Texas Gardening. It's also where you sign up for eGardens, that electronic newsletter I mentioned to you. And it's also where you see answers to my 1,001 Frequently Asked Questions. So all of that and a whole lot more. Rose Rosette Virus, I leave information archived there. A lot of information at neilsperry.com. I hope you'll look at it. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. That's my website. Love to have you visit. The 1930s were difficult times for America. The country was in the Great Depression. Jobs were scarce, but hopes remained high. It was during that time that Mueller started making metal products. Well, now, 90 years later, the Mueller name is known across the South as having the finest in quality steel and workmanship. Mueller and its products. Well, they understand what it means to weather the storm. A Mueller metal roof is made to last and to protect you and your most valued possessions from the harsh weather we Texans are accustomed to. A Mueller metal roof can endure the intense sun, the heavy rain, hail, and snowstorms for years to come. That's a lot longer than a conventional roof. If you want peace of mind for the future, choose a metal roof for your home, a roof that's been made by Mueller. Visit MuellerInc.com. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com to learn more and to find a location near you. You'll see why a Mueller metal roof is the best thing to put over your head. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or you can stop by one of their 33 locations. They're Mueller, they're made in America, and they're made to last. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. 
Thank you, Kelly, very, very much. And uh, let's go to uh, James in Batesville, Batesville being south of Uvalde. James, this is Neil. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your call. How can I help? <laughs> yes, sir. Well, you know, during our big freeze that we had here this year, um, I had three orange trees that, um, well, they look dead. Um, but they got new shoots coming up at the bottoms of the trunks. Okay, and I just wondered, should I cut the trees down and let the new growth come up? Are they going to regrow, or or is it even worth the time to do that? Okay, we're, we've got a lot of static on the line. Um, you're going to need to know whether they were grafted or whether they were seedling oranges. And frankly, I don't know how to tell without seeing them. You can probably, if they were grafted, you should be able to see a graft union where the wood of the trunk changes. And uh, can you look at them and tell any difference in the in the the look of the trunk? Well, I'm I'm not at home right now. I'm just north of Sweetwater. But uh... man, you really are <laughs> off target, aren't you? <laughs> Yes, look sir. look at the look at the trunk and if you see a change in the bark in the in a big noticeable change in the color um, anything that would indicate that they were grafted and if this new growth is coming from above the graft union then you have the old variety and you could retrain them to grow and and they would be the same variety that you want uh, if uh-huh. if there is a graft union and if the growth is coming from below that graft union, then that you have the rootstock, which uh, is going to be something very different. Uh, do these new shoots have a lot of thorns? They do. All right. Did the old trees have a lot of thorns? Uh, I, I wouldn't. Not the mature ones. They didn't. They didn't have a lot of thorns. But all right. Let me let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. Do the new shoots have a lot more thorns than the old branches did? Yes. Yeah, you you have trifoliate orange rootstock coming up, and that's as winter-hardy as it can be. It's winter-hardy clear into Oklahoma um, and, and Sweetwater. It's, it's, uh, it's not what you want unless you want to keep people from walking through. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a wicked plant. So, no, you, you need to replace it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, because right now it looks terrible, and yeah, I just haven't gotten around to doing anything with it, and I need to get it out of there if it ain't going to be any good. So They're not going to be any good. They're, they're trifoliate orange rootstocks. So anyway, all right, well, drive safely. Thanks for the call. Uh, also, we had Daryl call back, and we, we kind of we didn't go to Mars, went to uh, Venus instead on the answer to his Bermuda grass question. He has fescue coming up in his Bermuda grass. He wants to get the fescue out of it. There is no weed killer any longer. Uh, you, there was a time you could have used MSMA, but it's off the market now, unless you have a friend who has some MSMA left over. It's only been off the market a few years. I have a good friend who still has some, and he was helping... Uh, another friend get rid of uh, Dallas grass, but MSMA would have done that or will do that if you have access to some. Um, so that's that's one uh, thing to consider. The other thing you could do would be in the middle of the winter time, uh, when the Bermuda is completely dormant and the fescue is growing happily, is you could use a wick applicator 
and use that same glyphosate I was talking about and very carefully wipe it across the fescue, and it will kill the fescue without harming the dormant Bermuda grass. Not spray it, but wipe it with a wick applicator shaped like a uh, uh, like a, a hockey stick. And down at the bottom where the, the head of the hockey stick is, uh, the face, there would be a wick, a rope wick, and, and that would let you do that. It's going to be something of that sort. Another thing you could do is mow very short and use nitrogen fertilizer to promote the Bermuda grass, and that will choke out the fescue. Fescue cannot be mowed short, can't handle the heat and the, the sun. So hope that helps, Daryl. Sorry we lost you earlier. Folks, I have enjoyed this very, very much, and uh, uh, as he always does, uh, uh, Jared Taylor has done a masterful job of keeping this uh, program with all four tires on the ground, and I thank him for that. I'll be back next uh, Saturday, 11 until noon. I hope you will be, too. I hope you have a wonderful gardening week. I thank you for listening, and until then, happy gardening.